0: Hello and welcome to another teaching by 119 Ministries. Our ministry teaches that the whole Bible is still true and directly relevant in our lives. If you would like to know more on what we believe and teach, please visit us at testeverything.net. We hope that you enjoy studying and testing the following teaching. Have you ever wondered why the Jews simply do not understand that Jesus, or his Hebrew name Yeshua, is the Messiah prescribed by the prophets so long ago? It just seems so simple to us. We often like to think that if we just present them the New Testament, that they should get it. And if they reject it, well that was their fault. But is it really their fault? What part do we play? If you're really serious in your mission to evangelize, then here comes the real challenge. Could you prove to someone Jewish that Yeshua is the Messiah? That is what Paul did day after day in the synagogues in the book of Acts. And so many thousands of Jews understood Yeshua to be the Messiah and that he sacrificed himself for our sin. That is not happening as much today. Why? It's not like the Jews today know the scriptures any better than they did in the first century. What would you say to someone who is Jewish? Could you convince them that Yeshua is the promised Messiah? What could possibly be the problem about Yeshua? In the first 14 years after the cross, there were only Jews learning about the first coming and identity of their Messiah. Thousands and thousands of Jews. Gentiles were not really even in the picture yet, only Jews. We can read about that in the book of Acts. No one denies it. Why are not thousands, if not tens of thousands of Jews, coming to know their Jewish Messiah, Yeshua, like they were in the first century? Did something change? What happened? Why did that stop? Are many teaching something different than what our Messiah really taught? Are many teaching something different than what the apostles taught? Are many teaching something different than what Paul taught? They brought thousands of Jews to know the Messiah. What is the big problem? What is our problem? There are several problems, and most are addressable. Perhaps it is simply a misunderstanding of prophecy, or perhaps they are holding onto too many traditions that are against the Word of God, and it blinds them. For example, in Mark chapter seven, it is certainly hard to see Yeshua as the Word of God in the flesh when one's own doctrine is against the Word of God. For some Jews, Those are certainly problems. We cover a lot of these misunderstandings in our Brit Hadashah series. Though it takes much time and much patience, all those obstacles can be removed. For Paul, sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. We are not discounting that some of the Jews were broken off the tree, Romans chapter 11. But many did get it thanks to Yeshua and thanks to the apostles and thanks to Paul. We are going to cover the number one reason why Jews have a difficult time accepting Jesus or Yeshua as the Messiah. Let's enter the context of the first century. We see Paul teaching the word of God and Christ in the synagogues quite often. Acts chapter 9. Immediately he preached to Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Acts chapter 17. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Acts chapter 18, and he came to Ephesus and he left them there, but he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Acts chapter 19, and he went to the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. It requires much knowledge about prophecy and the gospel account of Yeshua to reason with Jews. Sometimes Paul was successful with the Jews. On the other hand, as we already mentioned, quite often Jewish leadership was against Paul, just like they were against Yeshua. Paul, like Yeshua, threatened their established, mainstream religious system of traditions and doctrines, which Yeshua equated to lawlessness. Paul taught against the traditions and doctrines that were also against what Moses wrote, just like Yeshua did in Mark chapter seven, John chapter seven, In Matthew chapter 23. Simply put, Yeshua taught that what Moses wrote is good, and that the traditions and doctrines of Jewish leadership that nullified Moses simply was a bad idea. Many Jews began to abandon this theological evolution that became these false religious traditions and ways, and instead, they began to only follow the word of God and Yeshua. Because of this, Jewish leadership began to panic. It began to rattle their cage. Their power and influence was being threatened. Just to be clear, Yeshua and his followers did not teach against what Moses wrote. They taught against what the Jews called the Oral Law or the commandments of men. Today, it is called or referred to as the Talmud. The Talmud is the version of the Oral Law of the Jews that was written down. The Talmud added on to the Law of God. It built fences around the Word of God. Through their own detailed commandments, they decided how God's people should keep God's commandments. They tightened the parameters. They made things up. They built such walls around God's word that it was hard to even see what was left of God's word in their doctrine and action. God's word became hidden, and thus, according to Yeshua, nullified. They built a false religion around the truth of the word of God. Because of the man-made commandments, God's law became a yoke or a burden to such an extent that it was no longer God's law but a system of laws built around the law of God. For instance, on the Sabbath, our Creator simply told us to rest. The oral law would prescribe hundreds of ways to define what it meant to rest and not rest. Man told you how to obey God. Man became who you actually followed though you were supposedly following God in this system men became God. Those who claimed authority in this oral law began to see their system and ways being threatened by Yeshua and all who followed Him. Yeshua and His followers were bringing people into just following the Word of God, not the commandments of men. Because of this, the Pharisees and Sadducees decided to take action against those that threatened their false ways. They had to make it seem as though Yeshua was against what Moses wrote, because technically, Disagreeing with the Talmud was not enforceable, as it was not technically the law of God. It simply made them angry when others would not follow their doctrine and traditions found in the Talmud. Here's where it becomes interesting. Because Jewish leadership could not prove that Yeshua and his followers taught against what Moses wrote, they had to set up false witnesses against them. Sadly, this is what happened to Stephen, a Jew. Who is not part of the many Jewish traditions and began to follow only Yeshua and the Word of God. Acts chapter 6 they also set up false witnesses who said this man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Yeshua of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. It is very clear here it is considered false testimony to say that Yeshua changed the ways of God as written by Moses. If it was true, then it would be true testimony, not false testimony. If you recall, they tried to do the same thing to Yeshua. In Luke chapter 6, they accused him of breaking the Sabbath, when in reality, he was only breaking Jewish tradition and doctrine, the Talmud. In the law of God, picking grain and eating that same grain does not break any of God's commandments. There is no such commandment in the Bible found anywhere. It does, however, break certain rabbinical commandments, which was what Yeshua's goal was. The Talmud says, In a case a woman rolls wheat to remove the husk, it is considered as sifting. If she rubs the heads of wheat, it is regarded as threshing. If she cleans the side of adherencies, it is sifting out fruit. If she bruises the ears, it is grinding. If she throws them up in her hand, it is winnowing. If Yeshua broke any commandment of God, then He would have been committing sin and He would not have been our perfect sacrifice. Any doctrine that has Yeshua teaching or practicing anything contrary to what Moses wrote or anything already established as truth in the Word just turned His perfect sacrifice into an imperfect sacrifice based on the Bible's own definition of perfect. The Talmud even prescribes a particular way to wash one's hands before eating. At one point, Yeshua even taught against the Pharisees on this matter. Mark chapter seven, then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? Notice how the Pharisees and scribes point to a tradition of the elders, not a commandment of God, and begin trying to correct and rebuke Yeshua and his disciples based on a tradition, based on a commandment of men. Obviously, it is not that washing hands is necessarily bad. Most people today wash their hands before they eat. It is the fact that they associated spiritual cleanliness and uncleanliness to the commandments that it became a problem. They even prescribed how the hand washing ritual was to be done. It is all in the Jewish Talmud if one wants to read it. Only God can dictate what circumstances and practices can cause a person to be clean or unclean, not men. They overstepped their boundaries and started taking on authority that only God retained. This prompts Yeshua to teach them to come back to only what Moses wrote and discard their vain traditions and doctrines back to placing themselves under the authority of God, not above it. Mark chapter seven, verses eight through 13. He answered and said to them, well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me and in vain they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is Corbin, that is, a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that, The Jews esteemed their ways so much that they did not even realize that they were in error. According to Yeshua in Matthew chapter 23, they would even read the law of God from Moses' seat verbatim. But in their doctrines and practices, they would not practice what they just read. Instead, they made up their own commandments and practices, such as the washing your hands before eating bread or not rubbing two grains together on the Sabbath. They taught two different laws. They taught what Moses wrote from the seat of Moses, and they taught the Talmud, the Oral Law, which nullified what Moses wrote. They are called hypocrites. We are to do the first, not the latter, according to Yeshua. Here is an actual picture of the seat of Moses. From this seat, they would only read exactly what Moses wrote. That is what Yeshua said that we should observe and do. Matthew 23. Then Yeshua spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. Sadly, though, when Jewish leadership would leave the seat of Moses after reading the law of God, they began offering and teaching their interpretations and practices that were actually directly against what Moses said. As Yeshua continued, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. They were hypocrites. They taught the law of God, but did not do the law of God. Yeshua constantly called them out on it and hated him for it. They liked their religion. John chapter 7. Did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? Why do you seek to kill me? If we continue reading Matthew chapter 23. We find it is that their heart was in the wrong place. Even when they followed God's commandments and their own ways, it was only to puff themselves up as a means for attention to themselves. They taught the law of God, but then did another law, their own. And for this, they were called hypocrites and vipers, verse 28. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness, verse 32. Serpents and brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? The real purpose of our obedience to God's commandments is to love God and to love others. To humble ourselves and make ourselves low, not to love ourselves and raise ourselves up. That is what Moses wrote, and the Pharisees missed it. The author of Psalm 119 most certainly understood that. This is why Jewish leadership had such a problem with Yeshua and his followers because he fully taught the true purpose of the law of God as written by Moses. Jewish leadership continued an effort to continue to try to protect their false religious ways that were against Moses. They even began to go after Paul once again, just like they did with Yeshua, setting up false accusations that he taught against what Moses wrote. Acts chapter 21. And when they heard it, they began glorifying God. And they said to him, You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed. And they are all zealous for the law. And they have been told about you, that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children nor walk according to the customs. What then? The assembly must certainly meet, for they will hear that you have come. Therefore do this that we tell you. We have four men that are under a vow. Take them and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. And all will know that there is nothing to these things which they have been told about you, that you yourself also walk orderly, keeping the law. Note here how true believers are zealous for the law of God and that Paul is being accused of forsaking what Moses taught. James declares that the accusations against Paul are false. That Paul keeps and teaches the whole law of God as written by Moses. And get this, this is very interesting. James defines orderly or walking orderly as keeping the law of God. If James says that Paul most certainly kept and taught what Moses wrote, and since Paul went forward with James' recommendation to prove that he did not teach against Moses, Then we only have three possible conclusions that we can make. Either James and Paul were either liars, lunatics, or legit. Again, James even defines that walking orderly means keeping the law that Moses wrote. This would also mean that James teaches that if one is not walking and teaching according to what Moses wrote, that one is walking disorderly. Unless we want to begin accusing Paul and James of being liars or lunatics then we must go with legit. For those who are completely convinced in their understanding about Paul's letters and believe that they clearly teach against what Moses wrote might be immensely confused here. But that is why Peter issued a warning about Paul's letters saying that they are difficult to understand so easily twisted that they can lead to lawlessness. Many read Paul's letters and make the same accusations against Paul that the Pharisees were making. It is simply unparalleled irony, and nearly humorous if it was not such a serious error. Acts chapter 21 was not a unique situation for Paul in the least. The attacks on Paul that he taught against what Moses wrote were relentless, just like they are today. Paul just continues to receive the same false accusations. Acts chapter 24. Nor can they prove to you the charges of which they now accuse me. But this I admit to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I do serve the God of our fathers, believing everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets. Acts chapter 25. And when he was come, the Jews which came down from Jerusalem stood round about and laid many and grievous complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. While he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, nor yet against Caesar, have I offended anything at all." You would think that all they would have to do is read Paul's letters to prove their accusations against Paul. That is what so many teach today. Supposedly, if you want to understand that what Moses wrote is obsolete and done away with, then read Paul. Wouldn't you think that the Pharisees would have thought of that in their accusations? If Paul's letters really taught against what Moses wrote, then Jewish leadership could have easily proven their accusations against Paul. Paul's own letters should condemn him here. But here's the thing. Paul and James say that using his letters in such a way is making false accusations against him. The unfortunate reality though is that many just misunderstand Paul's letters and fail to examine them from a first century Hebraic context in which they were authored and delivered. The Pharisees could not use Paul's letters to support their accusations that Paul taught against Moses because they understood the debates, the first century context, and the Hebraic thinking. Even though much of the first century Jewish leadership was trying to successfully accuse Paul, many Jews began following Yeshua and the word of God only instead, leaving behind much of the error found in the doctrinal religious baggage, the extra stuff. That dominant religious system added to the word of God. This proves that the Jews who believed all the law and prophets to be true could also believe and follow in Yeshua. It was not impossible. Jews began to follow Yeshua. They recognized him as the promised Jewish Messiah. The problems of misunderstanding prophecy or the problematic religious baggage could be overcome in the first century. And for thousands of Jews, that was the case. The same problems that Paul dealt with in the first century, such as religious baggage or misunderstandings of prophecy, still exist in Jewish communities today. These things have not changed. And there are still many Jews today that do not like it if you began teaching against the Talmud. They react the same way today as they did to Yeshua and Paul. But even if you address and overcome all of these things, it is nearly certain that you are still wasting your time. For instance, there are even Jews today called the Karaites, meaning pure scripturalists, that realize the scriptural problems of the Talmud, just like Yeshua did, yet they still do not accept Him. Even when the major obstacle that was present in the first century is removed, the Talmud, they still reject Him. Why? Today we have a new problem. Remember all the accusations against Yeshua, against Stephen, against Paul? that were clearly said to be false accusations? The accusations that what Moses wrote had changed? The accusations that Yeshua came to change the law of God? The false accusations that Paul taught against what Moses wrote? In the first century, when Jewish leadership made such accusations, they were said to be false. Sadly, today, mainstream Christianity makes the exact same accusations against Yeshua, against Paul, and now calls them true. They call them true accusations. You might be rather offended at that. Or you might say, so what? What does it really matter? It matters if you want a Jewish person to know their Jewish Messiah. If you do not care about the Jews knowing the Jewish Messiah, Yeshua, then you're right. Maybe it doesn't matter. However, if we are really serious about evangelism, then we have a problem and we need to deal with it. There remains one massive issue that will prevent a Jewish person from knowing their Jewish Messiah 100% of the time as long as they know and believe the Old Testament to be 100% true. A Jew that does not believe the front of the Bible to be true does not have this problem. Or maybe a Jew that does not really understand the front of the Bible does not have this problem. But as long as they believe and know the Law, Prophets and Writings, then you will have no hope in being successful in a typical presentation of Jesus to a Jew. Do you want to know why? This is no small issue. There are millions of people in the world who believe the front half of the Bible to be true but still reject the Jewish Messiah Yeshua. Why? In the first century, and for a couple centuries thereafter, Jews were coming to know the Messiah in multitudes. But largely, for the most part, this is not really happening today, nor has it for the last 1,700 years, more or less. A Jew who knows their scripture well is the most likely to reject the typical presentation of Yeshua. They have no choice. Why? The answer is both shocking and rather offensive to our current mainstream doctrines. We do not like this answer, but we cannot deny the truth either. Millions of Jews will never know their savior for this reason. The reason many Jews deny Jesus when he's being presented to them is because God told the Jews not to accept Jesus. Let us say that more clearly. God told anyone who believes the Old Testament to be true to not believe in the typical presentation of Jesus. Now, before you scream heretic and stop the teaching, let's test what was just said to the Word of God. Remember what we established earlier. In the first century, Yeshua, Stephen, and Paul taught and practiced what Moses wrote. Jewish leadership had issues with only following the word of God and not the Talmud that they also liked to teach and enforce. Thus, Jewish leadership set up false accusations against Yeshua and against Stephen and against Paul that they all taught against Moses. These, of course, were false accusations according to what was written in the Bible. They did indeed teach what Moses wrote. If Paul was actually against Moses, Not one Jew would believe anything he said, ever. The Jews believe that the Old Testament is truth. They also believe that God meant what he said. God said not to believe anyone that changes the law of God. God said that is a false prophet. Jews believed God when he had Moses write it, and thus Jews cannot believe the typical presentation of Jesus or Paul because... The typical presentation of Jesus and Paul teach that Jesus came to create a new religion called Christianity and that there are new commandments established and the old is done away with. Deuteronomy 13 teaches that if any prophet arises and entices you to go after any other commandments other than the commandments that were already given by Moses, then it is the same as going after other gods, even if their signs, wonders, and visions came true. If we present Yeshua, Jesus, or even Paul, as working miracles and having true visions, signs, and wonders, yet also teach different commandments using their teachings, a true Jew would reject that without hesitation. Not because they are being stubborn, not because they are being ignorant, prideful, or anything of the like. Why? Because they believed the first half of the Bible to be true. Deuteronomy chapter 13. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer of dreams. For Yahweh your God is testing you to know whether you love Yahweh your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And what does all that mean? You shall walk after Yahweh your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. And you shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. Because he has spoken in order to turn you away from Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way which Yahweh your God commanded you to walk. So you shall put away evil from your midst." So here in Deuteronomy 13, we have it clearly said, Anyone, as a prophet, even if their signs or wonders come true, if they teach anything that causes his people to go away from or differ from the commandments that were given by Moses, that is considered to be evil in the midst. In the way that mainstream Christianity presents Jesus and Paul, really, for all intended purposes, the whole New Testament, Jews have no choice but to consider Jesus and Paul false. Not because Jesus and Paul were really false, but because modern doctrine teaches that the law of God has changed. Millions of Jews will never know their Savior. They will never know the blessing, the New Covenant, in which the same law, Is to be written on our heart not a changed law and they know this they have read the prophets according to ezekiel chapter 36 verses 26 through 27 the spirit is supposed to lead them in truth to keep the law of god not a spirit to lead them away from the law of god it is their belief in the old testament as truth coupled with a misunderstanding of paul that prevents their belief and that the New Testament is true. Even when Paul and James defended themselves against such a misunderstanding, and Peter, he warned us in advance that such a misunderstanding of Paul's letters were very easy to make, leading to lawlessness. Deuteronomy 13 continues, commending the Jews who decide to not go after different commandments, commending those who do not abolish or make obsolete God's commandments, commending the Jews, that do not even remove one jot or tittle from the law of God. Instead, they continue to fulfill the law of God, to fully preach the law of God, just as Yeshua did by living it out as the way, truth, life, light, and perfect freedom as the word and the flesh did, as we are also called to walk in the very same image that we are to conform to. Verses 17 through 18. So none of the accursed things shall remain in your hand, that Yahweh may turn from the fierceness of his anger and show you mercy, have compassion on you, and multiply you, just as he swore to your fathers, because you have listened to the voice of Yahweh your God, to keep all his commandments which I command you today, to do what is right in the eyes of Yahweh your God. It is because many continue making the same false accusations against Yeshua and Paul that Jews reject Yeshua and Paul. The Jews have to. God told them to in the Word of God, and they believe the Word of God to be true. You would also think that most Christians would reject the false accusations against Yeshua and Paul as well, since it is taught by the same that the Old Testament is also true. Deuteronomy chapter 12 verse 31 is also a problem. God clearly said that we were not to worship Him in the same way that false sun gods were worshipped. He hates their ways and traditions, and the sun-god holidays. Even if for some reason we like such traditions and ways, God said to not use those days and those ways to worship Him. Verse 31, You shall not worship Yahweh your God in their way. For every abomination to Yahweh which He hates they have done to their gods. For they burn even their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. We should be just fine with God telling us to not worship Him in pagan ways and days. This should be just fine with us because it should only be about worshiping God how He wants to be worshiped, not how we want to worship Him. But Jews know full well that holidays like Christmas and Easter are on false sun god days and incorporate false sun god worship traditions, all intended to worship and celebrate God. The problem is that Jews believe the Old Testament to be true. Any successful evangelism of a true Jew would stop here. This would quickly be strike two for the average Christian missionary. The problem for the Christian missionary is that he cannot change what the Jews are saying. It's in the Bible. Any encyclopedia confirms that traditions from Saturnalia, Mithraism, and other sodden God ways have been adopted by mainstream Christianity and declared holy, not by God, but by man. In this, there is little difference between what the Jews did in creating the Talmud as with these such traditions. The Jews see the hypocrisy, the contradiction. Thus, we have millions of Jews who do not know their Messiah because so many hold on to the false accusations against Yeshua and Paul and also incorporate the sun-god ways, days, and traditions into their worship of God. Even the very next verse is yet another reason why a Jew who believes in the front of our Bible to be true cannot accept the typical presentation of Yeshua and Paul. Verse 32: Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it nor take away from it. Yeshua could not be adding to or taking away from what Moses wrote, or he would be clearly breaking a commandment of God. That would be called sinning. That would be a very bad thing for someone we claim to be our perfect sinless sacrifice. We cannot present Paul as a sinner either. Paul could not create doctrine that adds to or takes away from the law of God. That is a quick strike three to the Jew who believes the front of our Bible is truth. There are dozens of other problems that all result in a false understanding of Yeshua and Paul as it relates to what Moses wrote. Those are just several. Perhaps the Jewish people will someday be afforded a real interest in evangelism, one that incorporates a real and true presentation of both Yeshua and Paul. Even today, Paul is still defending himself in acts against these false accusations, and Peter is still warning us in advance about misunderstanding Paul's letters, leading to lawlessness. Stephen's accusers are still as false today as they were in the first century. Yeshua did not come to change anything in Moses. All of the commandments of God are to be practiced for the same reason. Because we love God. Because God's ways are perfect. Because God's ways are freedom from sinning. Because God's ways are truth. Because God's ways are light. And we could go on and on why the law of God is such a blessing. Read Psalm 119. That guy had it figured out. We are all saved by grace in the faith. Remember that. We are saved by grace. Because our faith, though, is in the Word of God, which is Christ, our Messiah, then if we really believe the Word of God to be true, it will be evident in our behavior. And the front of the book is also the Word of God. Obedience to the law of God is a product of our faith and evidence of our faith. It is a gift that God even grants us such a perfect instruction. And in closing, just so it is clear, there is often confusion that Moses was never intended for anyone but those who had a genetic lineage to Israel. Moses wrote that there is one law of God for all, the natural born Israelite, and also for the alien, foreigner, or Gentile that is grafted into Israel by faith. Numbers chapter 15. One ordinance shall be for you of the assembly and for the foreigner who dwells with you. An ordinance forever throughout your generations, as you are, so shall the stranger be before Yahweh. One law and one custom shall be for you and for the stranger who dwells with you. There is no such thing as a law of God for the Jews and a law of God for the Gentiles. He granted his perfect instruction to everyone so no one misses out. We hope that this teaching has blessed you. And remember, continue to test everything. Shalom.
1: Did this teaching intrigue you? Do you see how this is truth? But now you may be wondering about Acts 10, Acts 15, and the letters from Paul as it relates to the law of God. How could the Messiah ask us to observe the whole law of God when elsewhere in the New Testament we've been seemingly taught the opposite? Would you like more truth? We highly recommend our teachings about Acts, Acts 10, Peter's vision, and Acts 15, obedience or legalism. We also recommend our teaching series, The Pauline Paradox, to learn how Paul actually taught the whole law of God, not against it. To watch these free teachings, visit our video section at testeverything.net 119 Ministries is now available in Roku, Apple TV, Google TV, Xbox Live, and more. You can now access dozens of free video teachings straight from your home television in the comfort of your home. If you would like to learn more, please visit us at testeverything.net. Christmas and Easter, two days esteemed above most others and are observed by nearly one-third of the human population. Millions of believers worldwide celebrate these holidays to honor the birth, death, and resurrection of the Messiah. These festivals take many cultural forms and shapes around the world. But would you be alarmed to discover that these two seemingly innocent holidays are historically rooted in ancient occult practices which can be traced back to Babylon? Babylonian sun god worship has evolved throughout the centuries and has branched out into several major religions. Many professing believers have also adopted several of these pagan customs unaware. Even today, All throughout Catholicism and daughter denominations, there are still dozens of popular monuments and symbols that were at one time dedicated to various sun gods. What became this very same organization also instituted Christmas and Easter. Secular and Christian scholars alike all record that the Christmas tree, wreaths, boughs of holly, and mistletoe were all objects used in pagan sun god fertility rites. This, of course, begs the question, what are they doing in the homes of believers today? Discover how Mithra and the Norse Odin evolved into the imaginary saint we know today as Nicholas and how he became the key figure in the celebration of Christmas. In ancient folklore, Saint Nicholas was accompanied by a dark counterpart known as the Krampus and had a striking resemblance to other false deities. The Easter Bunny, And the dying of Easter eggs are also symbols of fertility connected to Ishtar, biblically referenced as the Queen of Heaven. Long before the birth of our Messiah, December 25th was a day used to celebrate the rebirth of the Sun God. All of this and more has all been justified by man for hundreds of years. But when was the last time we considered what our Creator had to say regarding all of this? Do we care? Should we care? we reveal an opportunity and faith-centered challenge to worship and practice the faith as he stated he desires for all his people not according to us not according to men but instead according to his way according to his word that is if you are ready to test everything to order this two-part teaching visit testeverything.net or watch it for free in our video section